Welcome to season six of my podcast. I'm violinist and composer Hannah Wilmer, and each week I will talk to you about a different subject to do with my life, my work, and what it's really like being a working musician and creative. Welcome to the Rosin Diaries. I'm Hannah Wilmer composer and violinist and today we are going to delve into the world of film and television composing. We're going to be talking about the art of composing music for visual media. Film and television composing is a unique discipline that requires a com combination of technical skills and creative vision. It's all about setting the mood, enhancing the story and bringing the audience into the world of the film or the TV show. And for me as a composer, that's always been what I've really loved about it. Um, to not have my project all about my ego or my creation but to be a part of a bigger project i've really enjoyed bringing other people's visions to life one of the first things a composer must do when creating a score is to understand the tone and style of the project this means i have to like watch the film or tv show and take notes and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch so one of the biggest skills i have to have as a film composer is the ability to re-watch stuff over and over again and not get bored. Another important aspect of film and television composing is collaboration and not many people know this. It's a I'd say that the biggest part of being a film composer is the collaboration between myself and the director. So in different parts of the creation of media, be it film or TV, you will have someone else to work with or to work under, but the director is a collaborator for me. And also what's um, also challenging or not so challenging but different I suppose is the fact that most film composers work remotely so you're collaborating with someone that you may have never met in real life even on huge budget things or you may have had one meeting with so you have to build a kind of online relationship with this person you have to kind of know their in depth and um, to cut down on time to stop all the questions you have to kind of pre-guess what they're getting at and what they're trying to say so it takes a lot of mind reading and being a psychic <laughs> and witchcraft so composers often work closely with the director and other members of the production team and that would be i'd say the other people i work alongside occasionally depending on the budget and the sort of thing the film is is the the sound editor the editor overall um and also the sound designer that's and foley artists sometimes the sound design is really sort of in collaboration with the music because your music is part of many sounds that will be in a scene to create the overall film one of the most famous composer director collaborations was between john williams and steven spielberg 
and I think we all know quite a lot of those films. Um, together they created some of the most iconic film scores of all time, including Jaws, E.T., Schindler's List. Oh, didn't we all love Schindler's List? Um, that is an absolutely heartbreaking film score, really, really beautiful. But in addition to that, they did obviously the Star Wars franchise. It's, it's one of the most famous film collaborations of all time. But um, also the interesting thing to me is because of the collaborative nature between, I mean, this is a little bit more um, on the surface, but because of the collaborations between composer and director, the film scorer is usually always high up on the credits. And I always find that slightly strange. You know, like all these people have worked hours and hours and hours on set, they've got dirty, they've got cold, they've got hungry. Um, from actors to props to all this and often it's like whoa my name's like third on the film that's crazy and on IMDB it goes producers directors composer above everyone else and I find that always slightly weird Film and television composing has also evolved along with technology and this is something I had to get my head around. From my background, I know all the technical requirements for, I mean, my, my sort of subset of skills or my, my good set of skills, which I didn't actually know um, when I first started getting into film composing or any sort of media composing. Coming from a classical background, of the the hours and hours and hours we spend on being able to analyse scores, of being able to work out chord structures, um, the mathematics behind that, how to, and the mathematics behind emotion, really. I didn't, I just presumed, I mean, growing up, it's just like boring theory. <laughs> um and you know going to a degree and the first year of that degree is largely on that and and from a levels at trinity and gcse's and graded music exams that we have in the uk um in order to get grade eight on Guildhall, you have to be grade five theory but theory goes up to grade eight i think grade five theory is like the equivalent to an a star gcsc which would be a level nine these days but that's, that's where you sit. But I did not realise what a benefit that would have me in the sense that I can analyse any score. So anything, I can do anything a director wants me to do. So if you give me a temp track, I can break that track down. Basically, I can take that track apart and take it down to the nuts and bolts and then put it back together. <laughs> So, um, for example, in Willem, the film, um, that was a film I composed for. Um, it was a World War II film. It was set in the Netherlands, and it was about a sort of a freedom fighter, a rebel against the Nazi regime who also happened to be gay, and he was captured and eventually executed, and it was about his life as a homosexual or gay man I always use the word gay because my friends who are gay use it but um whatever term you'd like to use um 
and it's a really his life was actually very very interesting and his biggest thing he wasn't fearful of death his biggest thing was number one the freedom of holland but also or netherlands and but it was also when he died he wanted everyone to know he was brave like gay men the stereotype of gay men gay men can fight gay men can be strong gay men can be anything like his sexual preferences or his the way he was born did not define who he was as a person and that's a really lovely story but actually back to why i'm talking about it um so the temp music was a lot schindler's list actually and what away from my artistry or creativity but what i i never knew this would be such a skill for film music but if you put Schindler's List underneath the film, like, this is the kind of thing we want. Um, a composer is not classically trained. I don't know how they do or if they can do it. But as a classically trained skill, what I can do is take Schindler's List, that beautiful track that we all love and know, and I can, like, like a surgeon, take it down to its nuts and bolts. Um, what parts of it do you like? So is it particularly the violin? Is it, you know, is it just the... So I can recreate... So my music for Willem, or Willem, if you're pronouncing it in the Germanic tongue, I created a similar track to um, Schindler's List with hopefully the emotional impact and, and lots of similarities. But I think no one has ever compared that track to Schindler's List. So um, I did it in a way that doesn't seem comparable but that was what it was based on also interestingly enough because of all our training at degree level i can create a track that is comparable if needed like for a podcast or a youtube video that cannot be sued that is not infringing on copyright so i can take it down to its nuts and bolts rebuild a very 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 similar track but taking away enough components that it is not an infringement on copyright. Interesting skill I never knew I had. <laughs> it's just, it, that's very easy. I mean, it's not very creative for me, but um, I mean, the creative aspect is on the Willem track, I took it down to its nuts and bolts and then um, decided what aspects I'd keep in, mainly chord structure and instrumentation in the fact that it would be orchestral, but I used a cello instead of a violin. And then what I did was from that basis, knowing the chords and knowing what instrumentation, I created a track that was all my own. But the chord structure remained because those chords were the tone of what they wanted to create. Um, chord structures on their own are, you cannot copyright a chord structure because if you look at an Ed Sheeran track, just, I don't know, um, I'll just do it on my computer right now. So Ed Sheeran, it's always a tune, isn't it, when we compare <laughs> Perfect chords. It's already there on a search. So if I was to do that, um, so what are the chords? Um, not E, A, D, G, B, E. So that would be E, F, G, A. So it's one, four, seven, Oh, no, no, it's not. It's a, so one, four, seven, three, which wouldn't be, it's going to be to the five. So it's two, two, five, two, five, one, four, which is a really, really 
common chord structure and if you was to put that in like what songs are written by this chord structure it come with a whole list of them so that's why you can't copyright chord structure but yeah I find that I surprisingly I find that really um interesting about film composing it's like because it's using a lot of skills that like dormant skills <laughs> so the, the skill I trained for was to play the violin and then I had all these auxiliary skills that weren't being used and the film composing I get to do that problem solving the the thing we like in exams for our first year of well even a little bit GCSE and A level but even degree we like you get question one of the exam for example you have like well no part one of the exam there'll be six questions in it but one of them will be they'll play the music three times and you have to write out the baseline on the score um given only the first note and then question two what chords are used here and stuff and you you literally have to listen you get a set amount of time so you have to work quite quickly i it's it's kind of like sudoku i always call it sudoku music theory is like sudoku for music it's problem solving and stuff I don't necessarily find it that creative, but it's definitely um, working my brain. But I like the film scoring because it's that element of problem solving mixed within the artistry. But it's not just artistry. Sometimes when my whole day is just artistic, it can feel a bit um, self-indulgent or wishy-washy or no structure to it. So it's nice to have that little element of problem solving. With film scoring, and if you sort of divide your day up nicely you can have a little bit of the day is the problem solving part and the little bit of the day is the artistic part and it's a really nice balance to life the film screen um but also as i said film and television composing has evolved along with technology and that's the bit that threw me today composers use a wide range of digital tools and software to create edit and produce mus their music that's what threw me i'm a pen and paper kind of gal when i was doing my gcse's for you guys in north america gcse's they're our leaving exams in the uk um age 16 we leave school age 16 but we don't really leave knowing very few people leave and get a job but we have qualifications at that stage that allow us to get a job um, most people will go from there to sixth form which is up to 18 that's like what high school in america um or they will go on to an apprenticeship. That kind of fell out of fashion in the noughties, but it's coming back apprenticeships because they in the noughties I tried to push everyone to go to university or college. And then in the 2010s, they pushed the price up considerably on that. And so kind of working class people are priced out of arts degrees or any kind of, well, they're priced out of every degree and they have to really think about will I get the money back as a career? So will I become a... It's more working class people encouraged to become doctor, lawyer, that kind of thing. Teacher, maybe. Um, so, and then um, internships and um, that kind of thing have come back. So, you plumber, plasterer, you know, electrician, which were considered non-favourable jobs in the 90s maybe but definitely in the noughties they're coming back like this is a well-paid job you know not everyone's cut out to sit in lecture studios is there's studios such a musician lecture halls <laughs> it was in studios for me <laughs> but um yes yeah, so let's come back a bit 
but basically we get exams at 16 then we get that you can use those exams as to get jobs we get exams at 18 if we wish to do so most people do and then we have higher education after that all the ones up to 18 are free all the ones above that it's kind of you're lucky if you know if you got a scholarship if your parents are wealthy that kind of thing um but when I was doing my GCSEs so we talk a lot about GCSEs because that's like the sort of first big go exams we do um when I was doing my GCSEs we had a computer program called Cubase and we were encouraged to use Cubase and but I always saw it as people who couldn't read music did Cubase that the instruments were so basic it's like violin is terrible it's this electronic sound that we're meant to pretend is an instrument and we were encouraged at school and I was totally anti this <laughs> we were encouraged at school to basically play our compositions into Cubase without any kind of musical capabilities and this electronic program would make a recording of it in, with these electronic we've all heard them right those terrible instruments and then we would send it off to the examiner I was like I'm not doing so I did my compositions by paper. Again, Cubase supposedly, I was told, by the time I got to university was better. And we should definitely, I used, I used it a little bit at, I love Trinity when I did my A-levels at Trinity. They was like, mm, have a fiddle. They had this computer lab with Cubase in, or maybe it's the, what's the Apple one? That's, uh, oh, whatever it is, the Apple version of it. Maybe I had all that. But the, yo, like, it was always empty and we weren't really, like in you can use it if you want but we've got like vast acoustic recording studios so we all did it that way um for my degree I think they pushed a little bit more to use the electronic but I was literally like I've always I always felt not now I always felt at the time it was for people who didn't have music like traditional music skills they didn't have the ability to read or write music they weren't musically musically literate like these programs were and then I see more and more and more like there's what is that band oh garage band that's it that's the basic one on apple the cubase uh, equivalent but it's free on apple and garage band like a lot of these like and I do quotations and I'm also laughing at myself for this but these in quotations music producers who can't actually even understand chord structures or how chords go together and what notes would go over chord like basic that's beyond literate music that's how music makes sense um they would like garage band does it all for you so you can cop you can just drag and drop like a bass line and you can drag and drop this and you, you literally it does it for you and it's like well that's not even creating your own music now that's just that's like that's that's like saying you're a fashion designer when you just like go to Harrods and pick clothes off the peg and work out which ones go nice together. That's what I see. And I had a lot of problems with this actually. I was a musical snob growing up. So I had a boyfriend and he was a DJ. Well, you know, uh, not a professional DJ, sorry. He liked to DJ. And he would like teach me, like he, he was like, no, it's a skill. It's as big, it's like as difficult skill as playing the violin. I was like, okay, and I want you to learn. And so and it took me like 10 minutes to learn his all his skills for DJing that should and it, it just what it was grade one music 
oral training. So basically, you have to listen to shows. I'm, I'm really keen on this because I love to learn a new instrument. I'm going to learn to DJ. And so you listen to the track and you have to find the first beat in the bar. It's like like, I, like the five-year-olds do when they do their first violin lesson. Didn't say that because I was being polite because I was a teenager and he was my boyfriend. <laughs> so, so you listen to music. One, two, three, four, one. Okay, so, so I did it first time. It's like, oh my God, you picked that up so quickly. I've never seen it. Yeah, because it's like basic. I didn't say this again. It's like basic music skills. Um, that everyone who's played the violin for six months onwards would know how to do. And anyone who played a prerequisite to playing in a youth orchestra age 10 below. But whatever. So then you have to do that. And then what you do is, you get, this was when it was records. And then you do a little scratchy thing. And then you find the beat of the bar, which is really easy on like electronic music because it's a boom at the beginning. So, because they, they have to really emphasize that. So, boom on the first beat of the bar. Okay, got that. And then what you have to do is when you find the first beat of the bar, you release that on the first beat of the bar. It's like what? Like tap dance. Like, actually, yeah, it's not just music, it's tap dance. Any, any girl who did ballet age three. We had to find the first beat of the bar. It's like one, two, three, four. Point your toes, two, three, four. Tap dancing. Finding the first beat of the bar is only a mystery to someone who never, ever, ever went ballet class as a kid, which was probably most boys in the nineties. <laughs> so it wasn't much of a skill at all. So I picked all that, up. and then I was like, "So what's next?" It's like, "Well, that's it. You've got it now." I was like, "Ooh." That's all it is. Now, maybe a DJ's listening to this. Please get in contact me if there's more skills to DJ than that. Because then I was like, well, what about if we go a bit Steve Reich here? That's like an electronic composer who um, is a classical composer. But I think he was in the 70s or 80s, but he went a bit out there. I was like, what if we got a piece of music that was in 3-4 and then we mix it with a piece of music that was 4-4. Four, four. So we release it on the first beat of the bar, but then it would go out time and then come back. So I was like, no, we don't do that. Oh, okay. And then I started listening to music on the radio a bit more. I started noticing why I hate a lot of DJed music. So when they get like a song, like, um, I don't know, what would they do? A little less conversation or they do like, dance the rhythm of the night, dance until the morning light. And they, they like boom, boom, and mix it up and, the, and they mix two songs together. And my main problem with that music is they know nothing about chord structure. So they're putting something in the key of D major next to a piece that's in E minor. Now, you don't have to know a lot about music to know that two notes very close together, but not the same notes will clash. That clashes. So that's my problem. And then I started realizing some DJs probably haven't got the training, but they do actually know how things work, like Fat Boy Slim. He's, he tends to really mix pieces well together and nothing clashes. But I don't see why I have to give him a round of applause for not making something sound nasty. Surely that would be a prerequisite of a musician. So that's my problem in DJing, DJing and technology. However, there's some stuff I was way too snobby about, and that is technology. I think my main snobbiness comes from the fact my dad was a computer programmer, that was his job, and I found it geeky, and I refused to get on board with anything to do with technology. <laughs> that was my rebellion as a teenager. No, I'm not doing it, my dad does it. Um, so we use these digital tools and software, and it has changed so much. And while I was kicking off in my GCSE lessons, age 15, 16, like, I'm only going to play an instrument, I'm not going to touch that. 
terrible sounding Cubase. Do you know what was happening? A few years before Hans Zimmer was winning the Oscar for composing The Lion King's whole score, not, not the lyrics, the whole score, the whole orchestral score on Cubase. Yeah, so that was happening in the early 90s. And there's me like almost a decade, well, probably a decade later, going, oh no, nasty, nasty, nasty. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, there was no internet at the time, you know, well, with barely internet in the noughties. I did not know much about film composing at all apart from John Williams. So Hans Zimmer comes right, and he's the first to say that he can barely play piano. He was like a keyboard player in some terrible electronic German band. And he got into film scoring, which was started off electronic, and he only used Cubase. And he does have, he has more skills than one, two, three, four, let it go. But he probably actually plays himself down. I expect he's, he's a better, and I, when I say keyboard, I mean any keyboard instrument, piano or anything. I expect Hans Zimmer could outplay me on the piano. I don't think he's at Daniel's standard, but I think he's a pretty decent, I think he's just pretty, been a bit, modest you know you can be modest when you're a multi-millionaire so I think he's pretty quite a good um, piano player but he, he and I think he does know the rudiments of music and stuff like that but he was the one who really brought this digital technology to life I still to this day have a problem with digital technology I do a hundred percent of my film composing on digital technology I my compositions work out so much better on digital technology when you compose using digital technology you you literally it's like having a whole orchestra in the room you can sit there and go hey bassoon try this line out no nah, that doesn't sound good bassoon flute and in this day and age there's music libraries where the best orchestras in the world are recording they don't just record plain notes they do everything from staccato to legato and it's absolutely amazing so yeah I was a music snob this I did not see this coming and it's so good but because of my lack of taking that up as a child do <laughs> a teenager and as a young adult I still have a problem with computers like I I can work it but if something goes wrong I everyone who's around me knows I break computers and I'm like I'll work fast on my composing I can do like two minutes of composing before lunch which is unheard of even John Williams and Hans Zimmer can't do that however I can very quickly jam a computer so it just like crumbles and it's broken and then people get phone calls particularly the boy like it's broken again which was a real bummer when he was in China I'm not gonna lie and there was a pandemic and I couldn't even call a computer guy out but it is open up the possibilities and it's also made that Hans Zimmer-esque kind of sound the one where it's electronic slash orchestral happen it's opened up uh, film scores so they're not traditional orchestras anymore uh, Hans Zimmer I think oh, what was it in I'm gonna say it was Pirates of the Caribbean but maybe it's not where he had like 18 desks of cellos or something if you're not familiar with orchestras that's a lot but he can he he experimented that on computer before he actually went into a studio and record. So he wasn't mad. He wasn't like, do you know what we're going to try to do today? We're going to hire eighteen desks of cellos. Double that is two people per desk. 
we're going to pay all them just to see if this actually works. He did it on computer first of all, and it's made film scoring so exciting. But one of the most exciting trends in film television composing is the use of unconventional instruments and sounds. And I'm going to say this came from using technology as well. For example, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score for The Social Network, that is that film about Facebook, was created entirely with electronic sounds that they used to produce instruments. Um, can you, and it really created a unique sound that perfectly fit the film's cutting-edge style. Film and television composing is a truly unique form of art and it's one that has the power to make us feel, to move us and to create unforgettable moments. Whether it's a sweeping orchestral score or a minimalist electronic track, music has the ability to enhance the story and bring the audience into the world of film or TV. And that's it for this week's episode of The Rosin Diaries. Thank you for tuning in. Please feel free to join my Patreon, um, follow me on social media, engage with my music however you would like to do, or feel free to email me at assistant at hannahwilmer.online. And I'll be back next week with more stories about the world of film, composing, composing in general, and music. Thank you for listening to season six of my podcast. I'm Hannah Wilmer and this is The Rosin Diaries.